Today's guest is Andy Wigzell. Andy is a financial planner and top performer with Barnum Financial Group. He has built a wealth management team of skilled professionals who anticipate challenges for their clients and help create an overall consistent financial strategy. I asked Andy to be on the show so he could discuss his journey from a young financial professional to one of Barnum's top performers. We'll touch upon his work with various programs and uncover his personal insights about our industry. I'm Paul Blanco, and this is Small Steps, Big Wins. All right, Andy, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for being on. And uh, I really appreciate you uh, making the long trip from Trumbull today down to uh, beautiful Shelton. So thank you for being here. Uh, Thank you, Paul. It's great to be here. Yeah. And I'm really excited about, you know, when I think of when we were building this show and we think of small steps, big wins, you know, you're one of the people that came to mind about some of the things you've done through your career. So Let's dig in a little bit here. So the first thing is, how did you end up in this career and how long you been in it now? So I started in 2000 and was a job changer. So I was uh, just 30 years old when I came in and had had a successful career in something else that was I was very passionate about. But I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get to where I wanted to be both intellectually, financially, uh, be able to support my family the way I wanted to. And I took an offering with a first company that, that offered great training, but, but that's all they really offered. And so right in 2001, I, I came to Barnum and came as part of, of a group of people that came from that company. And that was a good day for Barnum. Oh, great day. And I think bucking so many trends, all of us remained. There was no attrition. We all did different age groups. So one guy retired successfully and uh, the young woman I came in with, we're still here over 20 years later. Yeah, which is amazing. So, you know, coming in as a career changer was very interesting in our career, Mm -hmm. but what was some of the obstacles you faced originally? Like, you know, you started out a year and now you're here. And what were some of the obstacles you faced? I think it was everything from a mindset to to the financial hardships that come from starting something new to appreciating that you really were a business owner and you weren't an employee anymore. So uh, my previous job, I had been a paramedic. It was a passion of mine since I was a teenager. And I really felt like I was doing good for people at that time. However, when I transitioned, I really felt the same way. I used to tell people uh, in my old career, I came to your house in lights and sirens. And in my new career, I come lights and wipers. (laughs) And it was it gave me the same thrill to have an experience with people, talk to them and not just have it be at the most difficult times of their life. It was actually there was still pain. They still, you know, maybe didn't understand what they were doing or they needed help in in some direction. But at the end of the day, what I was good at was having a treatment plan and formulating that plan and executing that and, and reassuring people. And I really felt like that was a natural transition for me from, from, you know, sitting on a street corner in an ambulance to sitting in an office. 
But the office itself was the change, right? Different hours, different uh, hardships, both both positive and negative retrospectively. But it it was transitioning and and being a thirty something early thirties who had had some level of success and and recognizing I, I might have to take a step back for a period of time in order to really attain some of the goals I really wanted to. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a big point, everyone that's listening today that Andy made early on, you know, as a career changer, if you think about it, he talked about the noble profession that we have and compared mm-hmm. it to being a paramed, right? Mm-hmm. But the other thing he said, he didn't become a financial advisor. He became a business owner. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a different mentality that you know, we use the word entrepreneur now is if you come in, I feel like advisors, many advisors hit a ceiling of complexity and they hit it because they're great advisors, but they just haven't made the shift to that business owner and then to that entrepreneur. So I think that's a really important point. So if you're sitting out there listening, you know, you have to put your business owner hat slash entrepreneur on as you, uh, you know, it's one of the first notes you should take if you're listening today. And I think one of the stumbling blocks for me was I never really thought of myself as a business owner. I had been a cog in a larger EMS system and had been successful and had the great shifts and been a supervisor and what have you. But at the end of the day, it, it wasn't something that I owned. So I, I did take a period of time to transition from what I'll say was an employee mentality, a positive employee that yeah. wasn't a negative, but, but then to really being an owner of a business as well. Yeah. And, and listen, being a business owner is not for everyone. And it's hard. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot harder than people say, you yes. know, America, America's dreams are, I, I, you know, uh, tell my boss to stick it and, and go start a pie shop. And, and the answer is it doesn't always work that way. Correct. Correct. So, I mean, as you're going on this journey now, you're in the business, you're moving along, you're in almost two years. And, you know, I talk about how sometimes it takes a year, two, three for it to click, right? When you know that this is your business. But I know you went through something different than that. And I always tell people in my first year as an advisor, always on Thursday nights, I quit three times, right? And it was always, you know, the week's coming to an end and all that. But you had a pretty big turning point in your career that I think was a springboard to where you are today. One of the springboards. So no doubt about why it. Don't you, uh, why don't you share with us about that? Well, you were a big part of that. And so the sort of abridged version of it is I, I go to I go to your office and I speak to your executive assistant. And my experience in that first 18 months was that I'm very algorithmic. You know, um, I do, I just follow that process. A equals B equals C. And that's part of what medicine can be about. So I had caught the eye of some people who said, we'd like you to come work for us. Um, But it wasn't in a sales role. It was really more in an operations role. And one of the things that um, they offered was, was really more stability financially early on. Not certainly as much upside it comes with with owning a business and and being a sales professional, and and at that time I said okay I'm, I think I'm going to do that. So I come to to your office and I speak to your executive assistant, and I think she sort of knew what was going on. I said I'd like to talk to him maybe later on today. It was a Thursday, and uh, she said oh, oh okay, and and you happen to be on the phone, and and you said all right have him have him come to my office at five o'clock. So I thought, oh, that's great. Let's just finish out the day and then we'll finish out the career. <laughs> so I come back and, and there she is in the office, uh, diligently working away. And, and she, 
uh, she says, please do have a seat. And so it was like, you know, a few minutes and I assumed the door was closed. I assumed that you were running behind as, as you always seem to have so many things going on. <clears throat> and he got to be like five fifteen, and I said, Hey, you know, he's, she's, Oh yeah. And then it got to be like five thirty-five, and I thought, man, this guy's busy. And, and I said, um, is he, is he here? She said, Oh no, <laughs> he's, uh, He's at the gym. <laughs> He'll be here at six. How to get the workout in. And, and I was like, oh, well, there you have it. And, and it wasn't until many, many years later that I really appreciated what that hour meant. It was the opportunity to sit and stew in my own juices and really decide if this is something I wanted to do. So, so six o'clock, the door flings open. You say, oh, you're still here. Come on in. So uh, I remember sitting in the, in the chair and, and it was a, you know, larger wing chair and I'm trying to explain it. And, and I got the sense that you kind of already knew. And, uh, you said some, some prophetic words to me. I'll sort of, uh, distill them into a single sentence, which was, I see more in you than you do right now. And I think that if you take this other job, which was, which was a solid job, uh, operations job, then I think you'll be doing a disservice to what your potential could be. So as seems to be the way here, you said, I'll make you a deal. <laughs> and the deal is give me 30 days to figure this out. And if at the end of 30 days, you've given it a try, a solid try, and you come back to me and say, I just don't have it in me. I just don't want it. Then I'll make sure that that job is still available. I appreciate that there's some politicking involved and, and that's something you've always been very good at and making sure that every stakeholder understands their situation. And, and I said, I mean, what are you going to say, right? You've got this, the CEO of a company saying, give yourself a chance for 30 days. And if it doesn't work out, we'll soft land you. So I said, sure. So I come out of there and I remember, you know, I probably had like six phone calls from my parents. Did you do it? How's it going? And I said, well, didn't go the way I thought it was. Oh God, it didn't go the way you're supposed to. And, and I said, but I, I believe in him. And he said, uh, well, my, my dad, who was, who is a great guy, but he never a sales guy was an operations guy. My mom worked in a bank, uh, very much a process driven family. They said, well, what did he say he was going to do? I said, I have no idea. Neither did I. <laughs> And, and he said, uh, my dad said, well, what's the next step? I said, I'm not a clue. He said, what are you going to do tomorrow? I said, I'm going to show up and see what happens. And, um, I show up and over the course of about a week, uh, I got an, an invitation to join what was then the corporate education team, which was a brand new team that had been stood up, uh, now called plan smart. And, they were looking for people who were neither quiet nor shy and had a good background to be able to deliver, I would think, complex content in a way that people could understand. So you said to me, I'd like you to go to this and I'd like you to tell me how that works. So I went to it and, and I sat sort of off to the side and there were there were two other people. And from that very moment, I loved it. Um, that venue I, I sat third chair. I was in the audience answering questions at the break and things like that. And then on the, the third week, so this is, this is my, my third weekend of my four, my 30 days, the primary speaker got sick. And he said, I, I just, I'm, I'm just trying. I remember I was in Newport yeah. 
and he had laryngitis. He said, I just can't do it. Yeah. I just can't do it. And, and so I thought, Oh, what can we do to help you? He said, well, you know, go, go talk to the other guy and, and see if he, see if he's, see if he's ready. And, and the other guy said, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not ready. I'm, I'm more of the inside guy. I love being the inside guy, but I, I just, I'm not sure I can project that way. And so you said to me, well, I guess meatball looks like you're up. Yep. <laughs> and, and one of the things that had been sort of talked to me, there was a throwaway comment in that first week was make sure you read all the notes, make sure you follow the notes, make sure you listen like an audience member, but also listen like an advisor and, and take an hour or take two hours before that class and, and read them as if you're going to have to be the understudy. I don't know if it was that specific, but that's sort of the, the, the thought that came through. And sure enough, uh, third weekend, I, you know, the call to the bullpen and you're the guy. Um, and, and I stood up there and I delivered that presentation that I had really done end to end on earlier that day. And they didn't, the audience didn't clap or anything. <laughs> so, but, uh, um, at the end, they all asked the same questions they had asked before. And then everyone sort of hung around and then shuffled out. And I thought I'm as good as everyone else now. And that following week, you said to me, I need five minutes with you. And I thought, Oh God, here we go. But I knew I was staying and I thought I was going to tell you I was staying. And what you said was, uh, through the, the, the skilled success of the, the sales and support teams at what was corporate education, we had a second venue and that you invited me to be part of that venue as the primary person based only really on my experiences in the previous yep. three weeks. Well, and just for everyone, you know, plan smart slash corporate ad is when he says venue, he was teaching people at a corporation. Most of them are fortune 1000 where, and he's teaching and he's teaching a program that, uh, that was at that time four parts and it was really about financial planning. And then people came and met with you. So you do that, you start moving on your career. All of a sudden you start meeting with clients on a favorable basis and doing all this great stuff. So what's, what's that? What was next? What else happened? Like go through the journey then from there a little, just very quickly. So once, once I did that corporate education, I knew that that was what I wanted to do. One of the unique parts of this whole business is you can be, you can find your passion in everything from auto and home insurance to financial planning, to investments, to insurance, to long-term care. And what I loved was the presenting of the holistic financial plan, which at the right time, I mean, you know, fortuitous is that, or serendipitous is that planning was really coming into its own. And from there I took off, um, ended up, uh, working in that venue for 12 years, uh, that parlayed into the opportunity to do other venues, have, uh, diverse teammates, some I liked and some I didn't, but at the end of the day, we were all a team and we, we were, at that time, presenting a unified approach in, in who we were and, and how we could help people. Yeah. Which is super exciting. So, you know, as you did that, you know, you talked about the business owner part and then, you know, it's interesting, your family being operational in their careers, Mm -hmm. right? Well, you've, I think hired staff pretty quickly and then really dug in on the operational stuff. Sometimes I'd give you a hard time about that because I didn't want you to spend too much time. But as you fast forward, I think those two things, taking a leap as a business owner and then um, 
being operationally strong and efficient. Um, tell me a little about more about that. So I, I don't know if you've talked about it in, in other episodes, but I, I'm a big fan of the Colby. Yep. Um, I think you are who you no, are. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't thinking about it. I think you are who you are. And I think going through that process, which we did here rather extensively, really taught me who I was and how I operate. And so when you would say, hey, listen, I need you to take a leap of faith on this employee. I didn't question that because it's in, it's not in my nature to have to. We've built that level of trust with an appreciation that I'll have to backfill and figure something out. But there were enough processes in place that that someone could come in and and really figure out where the bathroom was and and be able to do something that helped us really the first day because it was charted and written out even though it wasn't perhaps as defined as other people would have liked. But at the end of the day, I, I thought it was, it, it's been a great experience. Hiring people and bringing them on when you see opportunity and you see talent has been a big thing. I think that I'm very loyal. And as a result, I have seen people maybe take advantage. I don't get off the risk perhaps as much as as I would like, or as quickly as I would like. I definitely give people the benefit of the doubt. But at the end of the day, I sleep very well at night knowing the people who I work with and and I work for and work for me are all, I feel like we're all a good team and we have the right people in the right seats. Well, and I think, I mean, remember, as you're hiring people and growing not only staff and advisors, one of the things you have to do as a leader, because now you're in, you're switching your career from a solo practitioner to a leader, you always have to look in the mirror and say, did I give everything I possibly could to this person to help them to be successful? Number one. Number two is, I think probably if we fast forward to today, you know, almost 25 years later, you learn to fail faster. Oh, and very definitely. When you make a mistake and that's part of being an entrepreneur, you just get off the risk quicker, which it takes time to understand that. And as you're sitting here listening, you know, you'll hang on to things longer and longer as a new advisor or a new business owner. And then as you get more experienced, you can't put a price tag on that. You know, my dad had a saying, he would say to me, if I knew what I knew today, I'd do things differently. And I said, hmm. I think everyone would say that dad. And he says, yeah, I know, but that's experience. And I said, all right, you have more experience than I do. So you could have more insight. And I think that happens in our business too. So really, really great points, Andy. So Let's fast forward now. So now you're in the top probably half a percent of the whole industry in terms of the, the business that you've built. And probably you always had a team, but you've really added and really taken teaming to another level now, probably in the last you know four years. So why don't you talk about like present now? Where, where are you? What's the team look like? What's the, what's the goals, the vision, some of the things that you're doing there? For sure. The, the team today is, is 13 people. We're a baker's dozen. We are spread out across several States. That's great. Uh, we're licensed in all States for all products. My thought process is that while the regulatory environment is always changing, the costs associated with that regulatory environment never seem to go down. My thought process is that if you're licensed in every state for all products, the the opportunities are there and you're never going to miss one. Yeah. I appreciate that you have to look at your P&L and look at your ROI, but I'm in a position where I'm willing to take some of those chances so that we don't miss opportunities because 
the thing that still keeps me going, even though as I begin my transition away from being kind of at the coal face advisor is the people. I love talking to clients. I love still presenting. Uh, what's happening is that now I sort of have one foot on the client side, making sure that my people who want to retire can stay retired. But my other client base now are the people that work with me, yeah, both, both the operational and administrative staff. How do we give them tracks to run on and trajectories to meaningful careers? So what's career development look like more than just compensation, but compensation, obviously a part of it. And then the advisors themselves. Um, one thing that has been so unique about Barnum is that the number of opportunities, the number of at bats has been so great, both on, on the prospective client side, but also on the prospective partner side that you really do get an opportunity to take the best of people. And in some cases they say, you know, this is just not for me. I want to move to something different or, and, and it's not really the negative that it can be. I think people tend to be nostalgic and the reason why we hold on to things and sometimes call it loyalty is because we, we love what we know, but you talk about failing faster. I'm, I'm all for meeting new people. I'm all for, for taking some chances. And at the end of the day, they're measured chances. So you can, you can try on business partners. Like you try on hats. Some, some will fit and some will not. Yeah. And, and now you're taking all three skills, right? You start out as a business owner. Then you start to lead. And now you're truly an entrepreneur with 13 people, multiple states. Your practice is very different. So let's, uh, let's talk about that. So multiple states. Yep. Great opportunities. Lots of at-bats. Um, you know, so much bad came with the pandemic, but a lot of good came. And when we look at our business now, I mean, you are able to use technology now to benefit you on the operational side, but also on the front end to meet more clients. And I think that um, there's a number here. We at Barnum have clients in 79% of the zip codes in the U.S. So tell me a little bit how that's helping you and what you're doing. The days are, are um, if somebody were to look at my calendar, they might say it's frantic. Um, I, I sort of relish it. So my days, we have offices uh, as part of the Barnum network. We have offices, obviously we're here in Shelton, Connecticut, kind of the HQ. Uh, we have folks on the team in, in New York City, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, in Jupiter, Florida, Denver, Colorado. So as a result, I've been able to take some of the experiences I've had in, in my prior life, shift work, and we've been able to have a situation where we've got some people, we have one guy who loves to do 7 a.m. calls. Uh, not many people want to do a 7 a.m. call, but now we can service that. We have people who want to do a 9 p.m. call. We have guys who would be happy to do that. Very difficult to do a call with a client in Hawaii when you're sitting in Connecticut, but not so difficult to do a call in Hawaii, if you're sitting in Denver and you're only a couple hours behind. If you ever put a 4.30 a.m. shift, <laughs> totally. go to the bullpen. Totally. I'm your guy. Totally. I, that's my only free time right now. I'm, I'm sure that the call would be huffing and puffing on the treadmill. <laughs> yes. and, and, uh, but I'd be effective. Out. Oh, yeah. I don't doubt it. Yeah. Uh, so we love it. Um, I can come and do this podcast today. And then I can go back to my desk and at 12 noon Eastern deliver a one hour corporate education plan, smart presentation 
to 80 people in Texas. So it's an hour behind. I was going to ask you where. So it's yeah, in Texas. In so Texas. Awesome. And, and uh, Texas and Oklahoma. Then from there, I know that after the, the 15 minutes I get to kind of cool off and cool down, I know I have a 1.30 appointment with a client that I've had for over 20 years. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so fantastic. You're just switching gears on so many different ways on a daily basis. So a couple of quick ones. I know that in the firm, there's we have our own infrastructure in terms of wholesalers. And, you know, I think you've done a really good job working with your internal partners to make sure you stay top of mind in everything that you need, but not needing to know everything because you could lean in on some of those people there. And as I always talk to you, you always say to me, like, these people are a very huge part of an extension of my team. Why don't you give us a little more on that? I, I think that the the internal partners that we have and in the wholesaling department at, at Barnum are force multipliers. They allow me to uh, remain focused on what I really love to do, which is talking to clients about their situation or talking with advisors about someone else's, another client's situation. But I, I think that in in today's world, there's there's a an emphasis on on organizations trying to be all things to all people you know, sort of the financial supermarket. And my experience is that, that I don't know that people can really do that well uh, on a larger scale, but what we've seemed to have been able to, to find success here on is that, that it's the sum of the parts, not the whole, right? It's like, I don't, I don't build them. I just fly them. And so somebody can come to me and say, I really need to understand this about estate planning. Uh, I'm not sure that, that, that would be something that would be uh, an easy answer off the top of my head, but I know I can go to someone who has a lot of experience in estate planning and I can have a conversation with her and say, help me, you know, given your, your legal background and trust in estates, help me understand that. I can go uh, on the flip side to both our annuity team and, and our investment squad and say, help give me the 30 seconds on this. I need really help uh, and and educate me on what this means. And, the benefit of those folks are not only are they, do they come from a, a perspective, if you will, of wanting to educate, but they're also client facing. So I can sit in a conference room on the same side as a client. And then that subject matter expert can explain that product. And then I can turn to the client and say, what do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. And, and as I'm sitting here listening to you, another important thing that the audience needs to realize is that as a leader slash entrepreneur, you have to be comfortable not knowing everything and you have to be comfortable using the resources. And we talk about, you know, leaving your ego at the door. But when you can go to a client and say, I'm bringing in so-and-so, I think you have so much more credibility. And as you're listening, you should figure out who those people are in your network that are force multiplies and give you that extension. For sure. It took me a long time to figure out that, that people, uh, my job is really to be the air traffic controller, Correct. right? Is to be knowledgeable and make sure nobody crashes, yep. but, but not to actually fly any of the planes. Um, but, but have be that important relationship management cog and, and maybe be an armchair psychiatrist now and again for human behavior and, and human nature. But at the end of the day, I, I don't think if I look across the clients I've had for, 
for 15 or 20 year or more years, I don't think they really expect me to be the expert in, in really anything. Now they yeah. want me to be the expert in making sure that they stay retired. Yeah. Which so. is, which is amazing, you know, and, uh, back to that noble profession that you opened up with. I oh mean, yeah. That's the thing. If you could protect their future and you can make them retire and have the lifestyle they want, they all win. So let's spend a little time, you know, you talked about mentality, like here you are now, you got a lot of juice left in your thing. Um, you've kept yourself fitness wise in shape. You have a great family, kids. And what's your mindset right now? Like, and you think about this 13 person team, like how are you showing up each day in terms of what the next five and the 10 look like? And I'd like to understand that a little bit. I, I definitely went through a series of sort of revised, um, dreams. I think that, that it's really great to say, well, I, I want to make a certain amount of money or I want to have that great car. Or I want to have a house that I really want. But interestingly enough, as you get closer and closer and then attain those things, you're like, Hmm, maybe what I need to re need to revise this. And, and so now my focus really is, is, uh, we talk about, I hear a lot of people talking about work-life balance and my, personal opinion is I never was very good at that because that assumes that there's 50% on one side and 50% on the other. Yeah. And so my new, my new term is, is work-life sway similar to a, to a palm tree. Some days you're going to be more business oriented and some days you're gonna be more family oriented. Yeah. And, and that family can be your business family and the people that we, that we work with, and it can be your home family and the people we care so deeply about. And that's been my focus now, which is, oh, which is great. Yeah. How do you, how do you fill in the gaps and be present in that moment, appreciating that you're swaying one way or the other. And I think that all too often when we're home, we're thinking about work and when we're th work, we're worried about home. And, and now it's being more deliberate in my thoughts and my actions to be, to be where my feet are planted. Yeah. And that's something I taught you guys many years ago and I've heard, and, and I listened to a podcast recently and the person said, balance is in the eye of the beholder. And totally. He says, I'm growing my business. So I got to work seven days a week, but I love it. I'd rather be doing this than doing anything else. And when I'm with my family, I'm going to be with my family. And I don't have to apologize for that. And I think too many people think, like you said, it's whatever, 50, 50, 70, 30. And they're trying to do something that's not really them. Right. And everyone balances in the eye of the beholder. So I really appreciate that. When you think of your vision, though, with the team, like you're in all these states, you're growing, you have probably more opportunities than you know what to do with. What is like, where, where, if we're come back on this podcast in three years, you're going to say to me, holy mackerel, Paul, here's what's happened. And what is that? I, I think that the growth continues. If, if I look at the power curve of where we were, where I started yep. and, and how quickly, how exponentially really the growth has been personally and professionally, not just financially. Um, my thought is that it continues. I, I'm, I've never been a quitter. I'm, I'm in now my early fifties and, and I have a long track record, uh, in front of me, I have a long expectation. I'm on the Paul Blanco diet. So I'm going to live to 243 well, at years least, old. At least hundred. <laughs> we'll take hundred and four. And so, uh, I wouldn't like to say the world is my oyster, but, but now all the choices I make are free will choices and they are incredibly hard to make free will choices. But as a result of that, now every person that we add is going to be more thoughtful. Every office that we open is going to be more thoughtful. And it's in support of what has been a larger group. Ironically, here I sit 
almost 25 years later at Barnum and still I'm part of a larger organization, right? So I don't wear uh, a, a paramedic t-shirt anymore. I now wear a suit and tie, but, but I'm still part of a larger organization, although I've built my business within, within that Russian doll of, yeah. of Barnum. It's fantastic. Let me just clarify for all of you listening. I know you can't see Andy, but um, he doesn't wear a suit and tie anymore. <laughs> he grew up, his father was a banker, his mom was a banker yeah. and he wore, and she probably dressed up every day and he used to dress up. Every My day. pajamas had pinstripes. I know. And then COVID came and I, I think he has shorts on, on all his zooms anyway. <laughs> so, um, but really great. Well, listen, I mean, when you think of growing with teaching and corporations now using transition solutions, which is basically, um, when people are leaving their companies, getting an opportunity mm-hmm. to be in front of them, your team's doing that in all 50 States and, we are. and you're getting teed up to work on the cases that matter. What What's missing right now? What is like, if you said there's one last thing I got to get for myself or for the team, what is it? I think it's for myself, it's maintaining my health. Great. Uh, for for me, being where I am and, and being the owner of this business, at the end of the day, um, I'm still the person who kind of makes the magic happen without yep. me, it's, it's not going to be, the business will survive, but it won't be as successful as I want it to it be thrive. for sure. And then in the business itself, it's, it's carving out more focused time for the, the guys on the line, those new sales professionals to make sure that they get the education that I would want them to have. I was fortunate. I came into this business after having, you know, a decent education from another organization on the product, but I didn't have the education on how to be myself. And I think now that's so much more important, particularly here, given the, the depth and breadth of the people who can support you, you don't have to be an, an expert in every product. In fact, it's better if you're not, Correct. because you can be more yourself. And I think really making sure that, that, that I myself uh, continue that journey. And then the, the younger guys who don't really think about it in the way that they, they should uh, begin that journey of self-respection to make sure that they, they are who they, they want to be. Yeah. And so to summarize this, I mean, you said it earlier, but let me recap it. You said, and I'm using different language, but you said basically now you have two clients. Oh yeah. And one is your clients. And the other one is your teammates and, you know, super proud of where you've uh, been to where you've come. I always say that uh, we're all just beginning. I'm looking forward to the rest of the journey with you. And, uh, you know, when I think of small steps, big wins, and you exemplify that. So thank you for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. And uh, I know uh, you'll be good for your next meeting too. Paul, you're the greatest. Thanks so much. You got it. Everybody have a great afternoon. Thank you for listening to Small Steps, Big Wins. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor.
Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203-513-6000.